Hey everyone, welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Eliza Kelly, and oh my goodness gracious, I am so excited to introduce you guys to um, one of my favorite astrologers ever, uh, who also is a wizard and has the name to prove it. Um, this is Rick Levine, who is an Aries North Node conjunction Gemini rising with a very adorable Cancer moon, and we love to see it. And I'm so happy to finally be connecting with you to meet you. This is such a huge honor. Thanks so much for being on Stars Like Us. Well, it, it's a privilege and a pleasure for me. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's we we are both in the same world of astrology and somewhat at other opposite ends of it. Uh, you know, I, I barely know what a celebrity is. I've unplugged from that universe kind of hard and you are the queen of that world as far as I'm concerned. So I really appreciate you, your, your energy and what you're doing and congratulations on your engagement. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so, you know, I didn't have a bat mitzvah. Like I, you know, didn't really have a graduation party. Oh, like poor, poor I, I know, I know. See, there's my cancer moon already. Poor baby. <laughs> so, and of course, you know, I got engaged in the midst of a pandemic. So I also, you know, it's it's not like it's a, a normal, things are still, I'm still doing things the weird way that things happen in my life, but it's, I really appreciate your your warm congratulations. <laughs> of course. And it can't, can't get any more real than that. Um, <laughs> of course. So, you have, according to your bio on Instagram, which we know is um, basically like historical data, it says that you have been practicing since 1973. That's about right. I, I got interested in astrology in my college year. I was actually interested in all kinds of things on the edge, even back to junior high school, high school. And I read a few astrology books along with all the other crazy shit I read. And I read all kinds of crazy shit. Um, but in college, I have a BA in psychology and I totally jumped into astrology and kind of came into it through the party astrology, Linda Goodman, Sun Signs and, and that on one side and Jungian analysis, Jungian work on the other side. And I was in college from 67 to 71. Um, and by the time I was, uh, by the time I hit 1973, I was already identifying as an astrologer, but I didn't really take my first paying clients until about 77. And um, and so I've been doing astrology for, I guess, 50 years. That's so cool. That's so amazing. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. William Blake said, if a fool would, would do the same thing for long enough, he would become wise. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I... This astrology on, you know, just in the time that I have been doing it, I, I guess if we, you know, one of the things that astrologers are so good at is pattern recognition. That's the only thing astrology is, actually. But yes. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's all we really do is just find patterns. Yeah. But um, it's I had never been able to sustain a job past, I think, a year and a half um, prior to actually starting to work with astrology. Right. Um, so astrology has been my longest career so far. And it's been the only thing that I've continued to care about. It's my longest relationship. Um, it is like the most. And I think that as you know, pattern uh, observers as we are, I think that that is a good indication of the fact that this is the this is the one this is the gift that keeps on giving. But 
to speak to somebody who has been working with this for 50 years and also is still excited about it, still wants to talk about it, still wants to share. Oh my God, wind me up and aim me at someone and I'm good for hours, days, you know, on end. It's, it's, it's like, I, I, as an Aries with a Gemini rising, I mean, I do get excited about things that I'm passion, passionate about. Um, but astrology is one of those things, it's the thing that has been the underpinning to so many other things in my life, including literature and um, and poetry and music and philosophy and history. And somehow astrology is, it's like the corpus callosum that connects the right and left brain. Astrology just, con that's why it's pattern recognition. Astrology connects this with that. And of course, there's nothing that a Gemini rising likes to do more than to connect this with that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I when I was in college, I studied art history. And I think that, you know, when I was studying art history, that seemed like similarly, I was excited about it because it was, you know, looking at the artifacts of a time, what was being produced creatively was the, you know, it was linking so many yeah. of my interests in sociology and history. And it, it seemed like there was a, you know, a consistent thread throughout that. But then astrology just dialed it up even further, you know? No, I get it. And, and you know, and when you look at things like art history, you look at someone like Botticelli, and then, and then you discover that Botticelli's tutor was Marsilio Ficino, who was arguably the greatest living astrologer in at least three or 400 years, and that all of Botticelli's paintings are tutelages that were that Marsilio Ficino, his astrologer, basically taught him about, you know, Zephyr and Venus and all these archetypal things that appear in Botticelli's stuff are basically from an astro from his astrologer, you know? It's crazy. Well, yes. I mean, it's it's amazing because it's just this um first of all we can establish time in a way that we wouldn't even be able to do so without Absolutely. having the astrological records of of what existed in that moment you know we glean so much information from it um so i don't know if you remember in the beginning of the pandemic there was there were all of these people were trying to figure out how to like frame this very unprecedented moment and there was like sort of productivity shaming where people were like well King Lear was, you know, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the last quarantine, whatever. Some bullshit yeah. meme. Isaac, Isaac, Isaac Newton dropped out of Cambridge for a year and went off into the country and came up with the laws of gravity during during the plague. Yes, yes, exactly. Like those types of like, okay, well, what are you expecting me to do here? So I actually, I'm writing my manuscript right now for my book that's coming out in 2021. And this concept of King Lear was so daunting to me. So I was like, you know what? I wanted to just do some research on, you know, is this even true? Like, what was the story here? Turns out that King Lear is filled with astrological illusions because that's As most of what, yeah, Shakespeare. I mean, it's yeah. like hundreds and hundreds of them. Yep. And it turns out that he also wrote it on the precipice of a great conjunction. And he also wrote it in the midst of a powerful eclipse season, which is alluded to in King Lear. So it was like, mm -hmm. you know, it just, to me, it was just like, oh yes, of course, like there is purpose of writing an astrology book in the midst of a pandemic. There is purpose in continuing to do this and continuing to have this as like a living practice of understanding what people care about and what people are 
culturally excited to, um, to, you know, to speak of, you know, how is astrology framing our reality? And of course, it's a mirror. So it's just, you know, it's this feedback loop that is just, you know, transcends time. It's incredible. Right, right. Well, yeah, people have this idea that time is something out there. And like everything else in quantum physics, the, the frightening realization is there is no out there, out there, out there is in here. Right. <laughs> and that time is the same. You know, we say, okay, the uh, universe is 18 billion years old. All right. The universe is a big place. And only in this little speck of dust dot earth going around the sun, is there such a thing as a year? Right. The universe isn't 18 billion years old. It's 18 billion years old from this point of from view. From this vantage, And yeah. time is like that. We don't move through time. Time moves through us. Right. Which is why, especially when we are in, you know, in the extremely tense moment that is 2020, it is, uh, it's our responsibility to really not just look at what's going on in this year and in this climate, but to take all of the other information that we have and to also bring that to the table because it's all happening concurrently. You know, we think yeah, of history yeah. as like static and old yeah. and like musty, but it's not. It's living. Buddhism 101, everything that's ever happened and everything that ever will happen is happening right now. Right. That's the reptile brain, the Abdullah Melangata, the amygdala back here in the back of our neck creates the illusion of linear time. And, you know, b before we incarnate, after we disincarnate, people forget that consciousness does fine without a body. We are consciousness con carne. Right. <laughs> we are consciousness with meat. And that without the body, um, there is no linear time. Everything exists simultaneously. Right. And so history is very fascinating, whether it's global history or individual history. You look at someone's chart, and we're so trained to see it linearly. We look at someone, let's say they have a, um, um, a moon in mid-Aquarius, and they come in as a client, and we go, oh, Saturn's coming up to your moon, and we talk about all the separation or ending or the feeling like you're not at home when you're at home or whatever those things that might be when Saturn comes up to the moon. Um, and yet we forget that if that person's 30 or 40 years old, that person has had the Saturn conjuncting, squaring, opposing, squaring, conjuncting the moon again. And it's all the same event. Yes. It's only one event. Yes. But it seems to happen again and again and again. The American poet uh, Edna St. Vincent Millay wrote, life is not one damn thing after the other. It's the same damn thing over and over again. And that's what astrology teaches us. And when we begin to see that, we begin to see what pieces of the pattern, kind of like Groundhog Day, what the movie, what we can change so we don't end up blindly repeating the same crap that we did the, you know, the last time? Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I see, I think that when I work with clients, um, you know, depending on what their astrology literacy is coming in, there is certainly some clients who I think have this Im image that they're just going to be silent the entire time. And that I'm going to do some sort of like cute fortune teller, blow their mind by, you know, knowing that their ex-boyfriend's name is Craig and he had like a, <laughs> you know, green shirt at one point. But right. I, and, a wart, I, I, and, a, and a wart on the left side. Of right. Exactly. I know, I know. I know Craig. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think that it's, you know, one of the first things I say in my sessions is like, this is going to have to be a, this is a conversation because yeah. I need you to illuminate for me how these things have played out before. 
so that we can start to then understand how these cycles, you know, why these cycles are continuing. Exactly, exactly. Um, Grant Louie, one of my favorite astrologers who wrote Astrology for the Millions, which is one of the most brilliant astrology books written, uh, he wrote in the 40s and early 50s, and he was a self-retired, uh, tenured English professor at Dartmouth College that he left to be the first editor of Horoscope magazine. So he actually is an astrologer who could write. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and Grant Louis actually had that concept down, um, you know, of prophecy, he said, was knowing previous points on a trajectory and extending it into the future. Yes. You know, if if I know what happened to you back to the Aquarius moon person when um when when Uranus was squaring that from Scorpio or when Saturn was last squaring it or p- opposing it, I have a good sense of what you might be walking into um at the Saturn transiting Saturn now conjuncting your natal moon. Um, and otherwise I'm just stabbing in the dark and maybe this is a result of my cancer moon, but one of the things when I'm teaching professionals and I do a fair amount of that, um, is the idea of doing a one year forecast for the year ahead is one of the stupidest things in the world. (laughs) And, 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 and for many reasons, but the most important reason is this, the client who walks in for a one year ahead forecast, the most important thing for that client in the year ahead might just be something that happened last year or the year before. Because often events are so big that they have powerful and profound ramifications in everything we do. And if you just isolate out this this one year ahead period of time, you might be missing the most important thing in in, in their life. Yes, I completely agree. I um I, I definitely don't offer those types of sessions for that very reason. I wasn't accusing No, no, you no. But I, I don't think I have really um, figured out the right way of articulating it other than it just, it doesn't seem to make sense no. with the way that astrology, that yeah. I metabolize and understand astrology, which is really a history of the past. We can yeah. only predict, and there is, you know, there's there's science that supports, real science that supports the the idea that, you know, those who have amnesia can't even c- confirm if they're going to put their shoes on the next day. Because to right. be able to make even the most simple predictions, you need to have a frame of reference. So without having a frame of reference, and this is on a micro and macro level, it's totally irrelevant to even consider what could possibly happen in the future, because all of the circumstances that have led up to that point are going to shape how um, the astrology is going to play out, how it's going to actualize is contingent on what has happened. Exactly. And of course, that is singularly the function of the moon is to is to hold on to sense impressions, is to create the illusion of the past. I mean, it, when I say illusion, it doesn't mean it's not real. Uh, Albert Einstein said reality is an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. You know, the fact of the matter is that the moon's job is to um, hold on to sense impressions. So we create a past, which of course is the origin of emotions. The thing that separates emotions from the other elements astrologically is emotions always have a connection to something in the past that has a memory, um, attached to a sensation. Right. And if we even think about just what, you know, a 24 hour period looks like here on earth, it's the sun comes up, does its external solar things. And then the moon is the impression of that. 
the moon yeah. is the reflection of the sun's activity, which sort of gives us this this reminder, this glow of what happened. And then it says, how do you feel about what happened? Yeah, since we are at what I would call an, an imbalanced relationship, an unfair astrological dynamic, because you know my sun, moon, and rising. And although I have watched a few of your podcasts, by the way, I saw you had Kim Kranz on, who I had the pleasure of, she was a friend of my daughter's and had the pleasure of meeting her, she's probably 10 years ago hanging out with her. So, and I adore her and her work is just absolutely brilliant. I mean, everything, not just including, you know, the tarot deck, but she's just, just a talent and a brilliant She really woman. is, she is. Uh, but, um, but where I was going with this is, Although I've listened to a few of your podcasts, I don't know your sun, moon, and rising sign. So we are at we we are in an imbalanced relationship. <laughs> well, I am I am a Leo sun, also conjunct zero degree orb, my south node. So twenty five degrees Leo. Um, I am a Capricorn rising, and I am a Pisces moon. Got it. And where's your Saturn? Twelfth house, Capricorn. In Capricorn. Yep. Seven ah. degrees. Oh, well, happy coming out of your Saturn return. Oh, thank you. It feels like, as a Capricorn rising, it feels like ancient history, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to have Saturn hanging out in my first house now, making things a little less murky. But yes, I, I, I feel like my, you know, the discovery of my sun, moon, and rising was very, uh, you know, that was such a turning point in starting to understand the complexities of this language because growing up, oh, yeah. the feedback, and I'm sure you understand this too because you're an Aries, it's like the feedback you get on fire sign is like, you know, the, you know, it's, it is part of it. It's like the, the passion and the exuberance and the energy, but nothing that I had experienced or read was speaking to what would I later know as my Pisces moon or my right. Capricorn rising, or my right, eighth house right. stellium, or my Pluto midheaven conjunction, which are all just extremely important attributes to who I am and what I have experienced on a psychological level. Um, and I think that really unpacking those dimensions of my chart, and also like learning how, how, do you, how, does, how do I handle having an eighth house stellium? How do I handle having like an outer planet 12th house stellium? And knowing how to process those has allowed me to then um, talk about some really heavy shit that I think is part of why I'm drawn to this material is because we have to, if we're going to understand how to use our chart as a tool for, you know, self-empowerment, we need to be able to talk about the stuff that, you know, we usually sweep under the rug. And I think that, you know, taking that into the micro into, or into the macro, into the more mundane aspect which is so important right now i saw that you i saw that you posted something that i really appreciated which was that there was this bullshit fake oh. news astrology going around which can you believe it it's so rude like keep that bullshit out of our precious cosmos like we don't we don't need people posting that but <laughs> yeah but there's so much astrology fake news i mean i I, I can't tell you how many times over the past 30 years or so I've gotten sucked back into the 13th sign, the Ophiuchus, the, um, the oh, your sign has changed, oh, the ignorance of, of people who say shit that they just don't even have any idea, don't astrologers, you know, know that their signs have changed. Listen, you dickhead scientist, astrologers discovered precession before there was such a thing as modern science. So, you know, this is not news to us. 
what's news to you is all the stuff that you do has any meaning. Right. <laughs> I wrote, I don't know if you saw, but I wrote this, this fan fiction vignette of like, yeah, imagine <laughs> if NASA actually cared in the yeah. time of a yeah. pandemic when yeah. SpaceX is its like very viable competitor. And then NASA is like actually just cares about you know, is learning that the earth tilts for the very first time. Like, no, yeah. duh, they, that's not their job. They don't care. We care. That's what we do as astrologers. <laughs> yeah, no, but, it, it, and yeah, it's, it's the, the level of, of ignorance about astrology. I mean, astrology ultimately has this fantastic PR problem that you and I have contributed to. I mean, look, I wrote sun sign horoscope columns that were you know, read by tens of millions of people a day for 20 years. You know, my dad, when I was writing, which I'm not doing it now, but when I was writing Sun Sign, you know, daily for each sign, um, which I wrote 1,200 words a day, seven days a week for actually 18 years, 18 and a half years. But my daily column was on um, uh, Google.com when they were doing content, Yahoo.com, Huffington Post, LA Times. I mean, it was it was widely distributed. And so I, like you, contribute to people's misunderstanding of astrology, and yet it's the only way to trick them. It's like the bodhisattva, the carnival barker, you know, saying, hey, there's enlightenment in this tent, but it all looks so simple out here. And then once you get into the tent, you go, oh my God, this is more than I bargained for. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, right. I mean, it, and I think that it's, I came into astrology through the sun sign, of course. So did I. Every, I think most people do. I think that unless yeah. you are, um, I don't really know how you, one, and it, it makes sense astrologically too, you know, like, of course, you're going to come in through your sun sign. And then, of course, you're going to find your moon, you know, like, of course, you cut, you're going to work at these, like, these baseline luminaries that are the sort of pillars of your understanding of self. And then yep. you go and you start unpacking. But yep. it's like, right, it's it's kind of like the, it is, a tr it's a little bit of like a bait and switch, you know? It's like you thought that you were getting your horoscope. Well, <laughs> turns out that was actually just a ploy for you to understand the world. <laughs> and I also agree with you. I mean, for me and for many people that I know, astrology is a language that allows people to touch uh, individual in, invisible, that's the word I was looking for, invisible pieces of themselves that when they learn about it, it's a matter of recognition. It's like, I, I know this. I know this about right. me. I, I, I know about my Cancer moon, but I grew up in a world where I was an Aries, you know? Right. And, and although there was this part of me, I never really understood that it too had a, um, a, a description a, a an archetype that I was fulfilling without even knowing it. Right. Oh, it's so amazing. It's just the best stuff. <laughs> but I going back to this particular post that you made a video on and so eloquently refuted and debunked. Yeah, and if I, if I remember correctly, it was a person who had actually posted, it was one piece of correct information, one piece of almost correct information, and one piece of wrong information. And they all led to the fact that right now we were, uh, what's the technical word? Fucked. <laughs> I mean, we are, we are it, it, it was like, um, at, at this time, there was the American Revolution. At this time, there was the Civil War. You know, and this is when everyone was dying, and now it's the same thing. 
And, um, and I've been on a few other astrologers' case privately um, who, who seem to be uh, in social media good astrologers. And I do follow a lot of astrologers. Uh, having all my airy stuff in the 11th house, I'm, I'm totally a you know, community geek person. And, um, and, and yet I have been on the case of a few astrologers who have taken absolutely correct information and then turned it into something that was sensational and what I would call fear-mongering. And, and the problem is that when people hear an astrologer talk, they're not hearing the astrologer talk, they're hearing the cosmos. And so it's like almost like a state of susceptibility hypnosis where, where we need to be careful about what we say unless we are willing to accept the fact that our words can have very profound and negative consequences. And most astrologers don't think about that. They just throw their stuff out there. This is not an argument to make everything beautiful and wonderful. Like many people, I recently watched the Walter Mercado um, movie, which is just beautiful. And I absolutely fell in love with him. Who I mean, I kind of knew who he was, but I had no idea on some level. And hearing him say he would never say anything bad about any sign ever that goes, ah, it's like chalk on my back. And yet, how many people in the Spanish-speaking world did this guy turn on to astrology? You know, more than anyone in the, in the Western world that we probably know of. Yes, absolutely. I say in the English-speaking world is really what I meant. I was also struck by that comment. I also, I also found myself with my, you know, detective brain being like, this is the same King Lear moment came where I was like, is that really true? Right. Because I also, <laughs> I I have a feeling that that might be a little hyperbolic because yeah, as, yeah. as a daily astrologer, you know, as writing daily horoscopes, you can't, there's, it's a very exhausting, creative exercise. You can't, you're going to have to say, if you, unless you want to be redundant, like you're going to have to pull in right. a lot of I mean, different. Yeah, after, after you get through one month of dailies. You start repeating yourself unless you can figure out ways not exactly. to. Exactly. And it's and it <laughs> it is a real feat to do so. Yeah. I totally totally agree. So I, you know, I I think that it was, you know, the idea of him always framing something positive, like even if it was something that was a challenging moment, you know, make it feeling having people feel empowered by it. Like I think I'm sure that that is true. Um yeah. but Yes, I, I think that there's the fear mongering is really interesting to me right now because, you know, starting at the end of 2019, I I really ramped up trying to un get people to understand the year that we are going into ahead. Um, right. Obviously, I was not saying here comes the virus, you know, but I would also never say even if I even if everything pointed to a virus, I would not say that ever. Because you have no idea how things are going to play out. There's so many different variables. Um, I also didn't, you know, I, I, what I saw was massive global restructuring and how yeah. that ended. And I, you know, when everything was going on with in the beginning of January, when there was when there was the the attacks on Iran, you know, like yeah. with that, could that be something, you know, you're kind of looking and waiting to see what is it going to be. And then at the end of February, beginning of March, as the news stories began to show the way that this virus was spreading, it was very clear to me that this was it, you know? But then when we also added the um, the element of, you know, the, of the George Floyd protests and bringing in 
a real discussion of like how broken, well, actually, the how the country is, is yeah. not even broken, how the system is just fucked up. And when yeah, the, the system, system is where people say government is broken down, government is doing exactly, exactly what it was designed to do. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and if anything, this has been for anyone who's paying attention, this has been a time of like being in, in, in intense therapy where you take your past and you look at the lies that you've built your life on and you change your story of the past so that you have more options in a true present moment. And that's what we're all doing. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a pretty uh, uh, serious history buff, maybe even scholar, and I pride myself in knowing a lot about history. And I have to admit this last month, I've, I've been relearning everything that I thought I knew because we have these reality tunnels that we take as reality and and even though i knew that uh, to some extent i really had no idea right <laughs> you know and anyone who's not doing that right now is missing the boat and you know and you said the whole you said the magic word fear uh it's my contention right now that the pandemic is fear and one of the symptoms of it is this virus mm -hmm. it's not the pandemic is the virus and one of the symptoms is fear i'm not making less of the virus um, although that's another rabbit hole, obviously. But the fact of the matter is that we are living in a pandemic of fear. People who um, have, who are largely in denial, who are afraid of change, who are reconstructing, who are trying to reconstruct a great historic past that never existed, which is what a neurotic does. You know, a neurotic goes through these repetitious moments, whether it's hand washing or whatever the, the compulsion is, trying to do something that has a different outcome because they're stuck to some illusion, some falsehood in the past. And basically, this is an evolutionary moment. And uh, I think part of the blessing of the retrogrades that's slowing the forward movement down, it's almost like like no child gets left behind. Well, it's like we can't leave anyone behind, even though people are going to be left behind. Dinosaurs go extinct um, when they can't adapt to sudden changes. And so, um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for people who are in denial or who don't get it. And yet I will do my damnedest to try to help them, whether it's through astrology or, or just education, to open their minds. But right now we don't have to work very hard because that's what the earth is doing. Right. The earth is basically um, throwing lesson after lesson after lesson. And I hear a lot of new age are saying, oh, this is wonderful. This is a pause. This is the great awakening. Well, that's true for some people, but other people are just going deeper and deeper and deeper into denial. I don't see an easy way out of this. I'm not a pessimist, but this is, this is a complicated situation and there's no quick fix. Although, although nature can surprise us. Yes, I, I'm, um, I guess I, I feel like it's, it's time to start shifting my, the thing, you know, I was 29, at the end of 2019, I was saying, you know, everybody, you know, brace yourself for a, a really cataclysmic, I mean, I've been saying this actually for, for quite a number of years. I remember what the beginning of the Cancer and Capricorn eclipse season doing a workshop in person, believe it or not. And mm -hmm. there was, I remember you know, the, those the, days. yeah, <laughs> amazing. What a time. And seeing, you know, that we had the second to last or no, I'm the, 
the the final eclipse of the Cancer and Capricorn series was going to be on July 4th on the West Coast, July 5th or like 12 yeah. in you know yeah, in the yeah. morning. And I remember having those dates up on the screen and saying like, you know, this type of shit is notable, not just because it's symbolic, but because this is actually the United States' birthday. This is yeah. not just any this is not just a random holiday we're celebrating in the US. This is actually this is a hell of a solar return. Exactly. <laughs> so it was, you know, it's been a long time of sort of what's going to be, what's going to be. And now that we're here, I feel like I want to start pivoting to the next thing I'm concerned about, which is um, with all of this movement into air, there being a lot of paranoia and definitely exploitation from people who are going to use this unknown time um, to basically just start cults. I'm really concerned about it. I'm very, very worried. I think that it's something that feels like it is from a different era. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, mm -hmm. you know, you have lived through the 60s and 70s where this that was something that was really coming. There was a lot that was happening during that time. But for people, you know, who are born in the late 80s and 90s and beyond, we haven't seen that. So I don't think that people necessarily know what to look out for. And I feel like that's something that we need to be we need to start explaining. I feel I need to start explaining like this is this is the rhetoric that um, is feeding off of the uncertainty and the instability of right now. So that's the thing that I feel very, I'm very, I'm very worried about for the year ahead. Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah, I, what you said, I agree with that. And yet there's no way in such dynamic and complex times, there's no way that astrology, I don't care how competent or technical an astrologer you may be, you're not going to be able to see what's around this bend. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some astrologers who can see what's around the bend, but they're not using astrology. Right. They're picking the stuff off the airwaves, they're 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 going into other dimensions, they're channeling, they're psychic, they I mean there's many other things. Astrology is a great metaphor to open up those realms if we know how to use it for that. But I don't think astrology is mechanistic enough to take such crazy complex times and reduce it to saying, here's what's going to happen next. I mean, the th you, you said the thing about the virus. I mean, uh, as a historical buff, um, you know, I knew, for example, that the last time that there was a Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn was in 1518, and that was the year of, a, of an epidemic. It was the dancing plague in Europe, you know? People would go out into the streets and they would dance until they died. I mean, they now think it was like an, an LSD-like, you know, fungus that was in the, in the, in the crops that year. Um, you know, but... And that you know, was also the Reformation. And, that, uh, and, 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 and actually, that's right. And I've actually, because I'm such a language geek, um, I've began calling it, instead of the Protestant Reformation, I, so people get it, because people don't get it. It was the Protestant re formation. <laughs> right, right. Everything was reformed. Right. I mean, that's the, I mean, even though the Protestants didn't do such a great job uh, historically, the fact of the matter is that 
protest basically was the destruction of the authority of the absolute power of Rome. And that's what we're seeing here yes. is the destruction of the absolute power of the Western colonial imperialist tunnel vision need to dominate other other races, other you know countries, whatever. Right. And mm. the Reformation took, you know, it wasn't just it, it wasn't just Catholicism as we see it now. It was everything. It was oh, yeah. the religion. It was the politics. It was the art. It was the literature. Every single aspect of society was controlled by the Catholic Church. So yeah. the, there being a break from that, a rupture, was not just like the way that we're so casual with like, oh, are you, I'm Buddhist, Hindu, Jewish blend. Whatever. It's like yes. it's, it yeah. was no. a cataclysmic. There was no choice. No, there was, there no, was choice. no choice. There was no choice then. In fact, you were either, I mean, look, let, let, let's remember for a moment that the word Catholic means universal. Right. You know, there was, there was one, there was one religion unless you were damned, meaning you were excluded. And then you might've been, you know, an infidel, whether you were Muslim or Jewish didn't matter. You were either in the culture, in the civilization, in the royal family, in the system itself, and you were Catholic, or you were damned, you were excluded. Or you lived in the country, which is the, what a heathen is on the heath, is someone who lived in the country, because all religions were city religions, mm -hmm. another thing we forget, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, the level. You know, and then um, on the virus thing, uh, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in 1450 was the height of Black Death, you know. Um, and even the Spanish flu which everyone has for as 1917, 1918, um, actually um, the history tells us that the first cases of what was not diagnosed yet as Spanish flu probably occurred in 1914, which was a Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Right. And in 1947, at that Saturn-Pluto conjunction, there was a polio epidemic, um, which resulted in, in the polio vaccine eventually. Um, but and yeah, then in the eighties we had AIDS, the the HIV AIDS epidemic at the at nineteen eighty two yeah. conjunction, um, and so it's not surprising that that manifest that this is manifesting. The thing though is that calling what the specific manifestation is is basically another level of trick <laughs> because there's so many ways in which a multivalent archetype can actually manifest. It's not tied to a single to a single thing. Um, and, and I think that that's the thing that astrologers sometimes miss. I also um, would say that I don't think we've seen the, in other words, we're, we're now saying, oh, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction was, you know, this, it was the heating up of the Mideast, which is another Saturn-Pluto rhythm that goes back to 1898 at the Saturn-Pluto opposition when the World Zionist Organization was founded. And then at 1914, which was World War I, that was when Lawrence of Arabia basically conscribed all the Arab nations to fight on the side of the Allies, promising they would protect the those nations from outside invasion later on, which then set up the opposition at 1931 when the Zionists came in and there was martial law in Palestine. And then at the next conjunction, the UN was founded, Palestine disappears overnight, Israel appears. And then at the next opposition in 1965, there's the Arab-Israeli war. And then at the next conjunction in 82, the Israelis invade Lebanon. I mean, this, this shit goes on and on and on. 2001, 
you know, September 11th, the Saturn-Pluto opposition. Again, this ongoing battle between where where thoughts, ideas, nations, religions bump up against each other. You know, all the major crusades were on Saturn-Pluto conjunctions or oppositions, um, including the Children's Crusade in 1099, where where 50,000 French kids were killed. You know, basically, what was that about? It was about the Catholics fighting the Muslims for the control of, of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, give me something new. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> social media. There we go. There's something new. And and I must I must say that with the advent of 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 handheld video recorders, uh, telephones, um, and social media, everything has changed. What was astrology is different now. And I'll tell you very succinctly why, although this is a 90-minute lecture, um, but I'll do it in a short paragraph. And that is that if you were alive, let's say, um, during the uh, Uranus-Pluto, dur- during, during the, the, the um, Uranus-Neptune conjunction of, what, 1812, 18, 1820, right in there, there was a Uranus-Neptune uh, conjunction, if you, w- w- which gave us such amazing things like William Blake and Beethoven. Okay, that came from that period of time. Now, if you were alive then and lived in London or New York or Langdon, North Dakota, You might have some sense of something going on. There was something, but you had no idea that it was going on in any other city in the world. Mm -hmm. It was just people on your street corner were getting together saying, hey, you know, whatever the issues were of the time. And all of a sudden with social media, what we've done is we've created what I like to call cosmic feedback loops. What I mean by that is that something happens um, and it's video recorded. And then every week when the moon makes a square or or an opposition or a square or a conjunction to that point where that event occurred, it's like a resonant note that keeps coming back. And every time it does, all the videos of what happened at Tahir Square or or Occupy Wall Street or or things coming back now from the 60s with the civil rights movements and 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 those histories, they're all recorded and available. And that is new. And what it does is it creates, like anyone who's been to a Grateful Dead concert, you know what feedback is. <laughs> and what we're getting is we're getting this blaring feedback that's that's giving more power to the moment that we've never had before. Because as someone said, I can't think of who said it, it's not that there is more police brutality now. It's just that it's being recorded and distributed freely. Right. And I think that when we do think about what it means for us to move into the age of air as we are on the precipice of right now, that that also is, you know, that's the dissemination of information. You know, it's been it's it we're we're moving out of just sort of our localities and our, you know, our our sort of individualism thinking. And moving into this idea of widespread for, you know, in lots of different ways, like exposure, you know, yeah. how do we become exposed to something? And then how does that exposure, um, how could that exposure, we can use that to our advantage as opposed to use that to get sick, right? There's different ways, there's different types of things we could be exposed to. And that, and that, and that actually is why astrology is so important right now. You know, remember uh, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, astrology was reserved for either very wealthy people or royalty because it took jumping through a lot of hoops. I mean, I 
my first 10, 15, 20 years as an astrologer, I calculated the goddamn horoscopes by hand, not because I wanted to, because there, there was no other way to do it. Right. And so we have jumped into an age where we have the capability of doing mass distribution of individualized and personalized information. Anyone can get their chart in 15 seconds on any one of a half a dozen sites. And, and therefore, all of a sudden, we live in a world where astrology becomes more accessible, even though sun sign astrology, whether it's on QB or whether it's in Linda, Linda Goodman's you know, sun sign books or my daily horoscope columns, that is just a thing that gets people thinking, oh my God, there's something here. It's what Walter Mercado did. I mean, I, there was some, some guy that was interviewed in that movie who looked like, like a a pretty archetypal muscle man. And, and, and they said to him, so, and this guy was waxing eloquently about Walter Mercado. And the interviewer says, so you believe in astrology then? And he goes, well, I don't know if I believe in astrology, but I believe in Walter, <laughs> you know, but it's that kind of thing that rattles the cages of absolute authority that the Catholic church, that any church, that any nation state, that any ism no longer has. And that's what we're seeing. The larger thing that we're seeing here is basically the fragmentation of points of view. And that's why the extreme binary, you know, red state, blue state, you know, um, uh, um, the, you know, gay rights and the, um, and, and the uh, whole movement of gender fluidity um, and the resistance to it vaccine, anti-vaccine, uh, abortion, anti-abortion, these extremes are becoming so polarized because all binary functions are breaking down and it's freaking the shit out of people when they realize that whatever their extreme point is doesn't work anymore. This is one of the craziest things about this whole pandemic period of time is that it doesn't matter what extreme you pick, you bump into someone who agrees with you on that extreme and you make an ally only to discover that they disagree with you on three other extremes. The binary decision-making process has been exploded right. and people are freaking out. Right. Yes. And I think that it's, you know, I think about, I mean, the United States as a place is just, I mean, it's, it's so loaded with paradox and irony going down to its name, the United States. The United States <laughs> was is you know there was nothing in the it was all an illusion you know the concept was what was being chased because here were settlers who came in and ripped out the land from the indigenous people that's not very united then there was slavery which existed for hundreds it wasn't just a blip it was hundreds of years that's not very united then there were people who who didn't want to who said we this is the uh, bedrock of the United States is slavery. So we're going, we are going to fight to the death to make sure that we can continue the system. And then there was a civil war. So that wasn't very united. And it seems, you know, like we, I think that the stratification, this concept of stratification always feels so like, you know, oh, why can't we all just get along? But it's like, yeah. at least in the United States, we never have. We're just talking about it now. There's always been stratification. And ultimately, what it's come down to is who holds the power, because who's going to win those arguments is who is the one who ultimately makes the decision, who has the money and the money aspect of things, especially with Uranus and Taurus right now. I think that we're going to see uh, uh, we're, we're seeing an, we have an opportunity to re 
value things and to change what currency looks like. And now currency is also in information, which is also a social media thing and not just in gold, right? And that I think is a huge change on a like a a collective consciousness level of like who holds power, who has information. Well, it used to be, it used to be that wealth was money and real estate. That's Saturn, real estate. That's wealth. And now you look at the wealthiest people in the world, except for the dinosaurs who are into oil, the wealthiest people in the world do not own real estate. They own unreal estate. They own information. They own operating systems. They own portions of the electromagnetic spectrum that are in hundreds of trillions of cycles a second. They don't own Manhattan. That's not where the money is anymore. The wealth is hidden and it's information. So I totally agree with you. That's another shift that's occurred and a very powerful shift. And people don't, people don't realize that either yet. I mean, it's, and it's bigger than just oh, now money is not as important. I mean, the whole Uranus and Taurus and the breakdown of what our monetary system was, um, I mean, and what we value is all coming up with people staying home, so many people staying home due to the pandemic. Um, A lot of people are realizing, I don't want to go back to work. Right. (laughs) I don't want to go back to work doing that. And then, of course, it's easy to forget that a lot of people, um, since the pandemic hit, are working, you know, one and a half shifts or double shifts, they don't have that luxury of using this time as a reflection. They are engaged in the trenches, you know, of dealing with the fallout from what's going on. And I think the other thing that lies behind all of this is the fact that whatever conspiracy theories you might believe in or think might be true, whatever reality tunnel you are on, even if it's the party line, the fact is there's no one in control anymore. And even the people who thought they were in control, even the people who were in control, no one's in control anymore. Dad's not home. And that's at one hand, incredibly exciting. Why? We can party. Dad's not home. On the other hand, it's also terrifying because there's no one to make sure that the rent is paid on the house and there's no one who will take care of the chores and do the things that as a kid I don't want to do. And so we live in this period of time that's half frightening and terrifying because we realize no one's in charge and also really exciting because we realize if we're in charge, we can do anything. Right, exactly. And But there's also in that there's an opportunity for all of these very weird uncles to start coming in, you know? <laughs> it's it it We the, have and, a few of those and, already, and do that's, we not? That's exactly what, you know, like I'm like in this vacuum of of lack of because humans love to be told what to do. I mean, that's like how we're programmed. So of course we're gonna be looking for leaders. And then that is when the vacuum of, you know, Jonestown shit comes rolling through. Our Charles Manson yeah. characters come through. Yeah. People who are going, you know, but the platforms are not ranches in Southern California. It's social media, which is very different. And we have to be very diligent as we consume content. We have to be critical thinkers. And if we have a gut feeling about something, we have to research it. And we have to use our critical minds to think about what, you know, who, where did this piece of information come from? You know? I think that something, you know, I, I would say that the antidote to um, pe- to the exploitation of prophecy 
is history. And that is what her, I her herstory herstory history history their story. But part of the problem is that what we think of as the story of our past was, including ancient astrology, was written by guys about guys. It was his story, not her story, and that's part of what the you know the reclamation of this period of time is not just a gender equality or a racial equality. It's a rewriting of the past that tells the story of our past that has been blocked out, hidden, suppressed, repressed, denied, buried, whatever. Yes. And I would say that that is the biggest conspiracy of all. So for those people who are finding themselves watching Netflix movies, trying to look for clues about, I don't know, QAnon, um, they can take that same curious energy and go back in time to start seeing when did this, how did this begin in the first place? Because we have to go all the way back in order to understand what's happening right now. And those, those curious young minds that are like, oh my God, I'm seeing these patterns, Epstein, like, yes, there is a hundred percent a lot there, but in order to even understand what it means, you got to go back further. You got to go back further than 2010. You got to go back further than 1990. You got to go all the way back to understand how these archetypes, how these people came to be in the first place. And that is a history that's time traveling, but that is one of the things astrology is amazing. at. And that's why this time is such a huge, huge time. Even people talking about how big it is don't realize that in 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, if there's still a humankind and we look back at the turn of the 20th century, you know, give or take 20 years either side, this is like a huge, huge turning point that is way beyond anyone's perceptions or anyone's single point of view. And again, I come back to the fact that the way you change your life in the present moment is not about changing the future. It's like any good therapy. It's about widening your perception of the past, which then gives you more choices in the present moment, which then can alter your trajectory. And I don't know of any tool better than astrology to help people widen their perspective. I don't care whether you do it professionally, as a hobby, whether you just read your stuff as Zo- you know, Zen koans, you know, kind of just reading or watching little animation flicks on it, whatever, anything that causes you to get some self-awareness that pulls you out of your normal normal compressed egoic state is a piece of a larger process you know that moves us out 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 and you know and you know you as someone who has you know that 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 shiny leo energy with enough capricornian sense you know <laughs> to manage it in the external world you know but it's really it's really fed by that grand water trine you know you know i mean it's it, you know, the Pluto, Moon, Chiron, Jupiter, Chiron, and, and Cancer, it's fed by that whole piece of, of energy that is basically, um, you know, that puts you in touch with the wider thing. And, and as I said that about water, I wanted to come back and just touch one thing from earlier in our conversation when you were talking about fire signs and discovering that you had this watery moon. And that is the use of the word intuition which often we give to water signs, often we give to the Pisces moon as as intuitive. It's not a correct use of the word because the Pisces moon is instinctual and it's psychic. But intuition, 
according to Jung, if one is going to believe that, you know, that Jung kind of wired this correctly, that, that fire signs are the intuitive signs. And, and people resist when they hear that. Oh, no, fire signs are about action. Well, if you think about how fire burns, it doesn't think about what happened in the past. Fire doesn't analyze everything, air. Um, it doesn't work on its sensations. It just stays alive. It just, it, there's, no, there's no logic. There's no intuition is the direct formation of an action plan without thinking about it. It's just converting it, and that's what fire does. You know, when the going gets tough, fire swings into action. Why? Because it has the gift of intuition. Right. I love that. It's a different that, way of thinking. I love yeah. that. That's that's a, a wonderful way of thinking about it. Yes. I, I think that I, I also, I love words so much, and I think that understanding how we can use, you know, thinking not just what, how we use them, but what they really mean. And thinking about the action, not just the symbol of the language, is so important. Um, yes, I, I do think that fire is, you know, I also as, you know, a Leo, I feel like that just attention-seeking dynamic of Leo, which is so sun sign horoscope portrayed, is also just such a such a weak vision of it. Because All right, let me tell you something else about that that most people have no clue about. Again, I come back to astrology was written by guys about guys. Historically, the difference between boy and girl Leos is as big a difference as any gender difference in any sign. And you go to you go back to nature. I get most of my best astrology from nature. And I watched a National Geographic uh, thing on lions probably 25 years ago that I went, holy crap, I get it. And here's what I got. And that is that the male lions spend most of their life boasting, posturing, roaring, beating their chests, and fighting with each other to determine who's top cat. Why? Because in the lion culture, the top alpha male doesn't get the top alpha female. The alpha male gets all the females. So there's a lot at stake. So that's what guys, alpha, uh, that's what Leo guys do is they, is they, is they try to garner attention and garner dominance from the, from being loved as the highest, greatest. Meanwhile, the lioness doesn't have time for any of that bullshit. She's raising the cubs. She's doing the hunting. She's taking out the trash. She's managing the books. <laughs> and she just, she just looks at those boys out there thinking, you know, just give them a beer and get them out of my way because the feminine energy of the lioness is about intention. It's not about, now I'm not saying that there aren't Madonna types or, or Mick Jagger types who are Leos who certainly command their presence on stage. I'm not saying it's all or nothing. And it's not as, it's not as simple to say boy, girl, but I know so many women Leos who are so powerful, so strong, and you don't get in their way, and they're not necessarily looking for the attention. They're just looking to get the job done because that's what the lioness does. And so we tend to read so signs from that male perspective mm. also. Just a little rant. I know you're a Leo, and so I have to get <laughs> I, I feel very seen. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I, I'm glad I, we're, we got to rewrite it. All right, Rick, this has been, I, I mean, I, I could literally chat with you forever. So uh, I was just going to let people know that the best place to find me these days, um, probably like you is on Instagram and it's just Rick Levine astrologer. 
all one word, Rick Levine Astrologer. And I do post a daily graphic. 99% of them are my photos. I am, I love the, the photography thing is big in my life. Um, but every day I post a, a photo with a one or two word uh, kind of statement of the day and then a you know couple hundred words of text around it. Um, I'm not cured from writing dailies, although I'm done writing for the 12 signs. But that's my my kind of daily blog. It's Rick Levine Astrologer on Instagram. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. It's been really nice getting to know you a little bit more, too. And uh, namaste. Namaste. Namaste.